Hello amigos, you're listening to Square Pegs, a podcast for the insatiably curious mind, fascinated by new ideas, experiences and perspectives. I'm your host Sheila Bett. Join me for the adventure of a lifetime as we explore, learn and grow together. Hello and welcome to the Square Pegs podcast. I am Sheila Bett. In keeping with this year's UN theme for International Women's Day, SquarePegs podcast will feature women in climate action through a series of interviews, be it women in sustainable businesses, education on climate change awareness and resilience or activism. Today's guest is not only practicing sustainable agriculture, she is a serial entrepreneur, starting and running businesses that self-sustain and throw as little waste as possible and employs both men and women. She makes a case for sustainability while making profit. Tanya Clark, welcome to the Square Pegs podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. I'm so so happy to have you and I'm really excited to have a conversation and actually learn a lot more about what you've been doing because I've heard incredible things about you from mutual <laughs> friends and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be nice to hear it for myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, it's been a journey. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> So um yeah let's start from the very beginning just to get to know you describe yourself your background and the work that you do. Okay cool. So um I am Tanya and I'm originally from the UK but my yeah. mum is also Venezuelan. So I am nice proud to be a nice mix of everything and uh I've actually moved to Malawi about 15 years ago now. So I'm mm-hmm. celebrating a long time here in in wow deepest darkest steps of africa um and yeah i've i've been here doing a bit of charity development work and also my companies developing my companies in the forestry essential oil and sustainable charcoal space and also in the cannabis space so i've dabbled in a few different things um and also yeah. obviously thrown myself into others so it's been a busy 15 years wow yeah it sounds quite impressive How did you end up in Malawi? How did you end up, you know, deciding to base yourself and your work there? Yeah, well, Malawi, the warm heart of Africa is, you know, such a beautiful place. When I I first came here mm-hmm. after finishing university in Edinburgh, Scotland in 2006, um I came out here just mm-hmm. to help my cousin's uh, charity called the Great Football Giveaway and we sort of traveled around the northern region of Malawi giving away footballs and netballs to kids and to orphanages and schools and yeah I, I mean being 24 or 23 at the time I was just oh I was just so kind of you know enamored oh, with so young. the people with the natural beauty yeah I know I was I was mm. little I was wee <laughs> um and then <laughs> yeah then I completely fell in love with Malawi and decided um I wanted to to build a school Um I didn't actually have any mm-hmm. international development experience but I didn't really at that time know what I wanted to do with my life and I just knew that I had to follow like my passion and you know the things yeah. that really kind of called out to me and yeah I, I just needed to build a school and um so I set up my project called the Build Malawi project um and mm-hmm. my school Chisala Primary School is still surviving it's still ongoing even though the government's running it we supply wow. uh, you know resources and yep help with teachers it's got 740 kids i think at the moment it's intense i mean it's mm-hmm. not ideal but you know it is a government rural school and you know these are the challenges that malawi faces in its education sector so mm-hmm. 
yeah, so that 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 brought me out. That kept me very busy. It was a really intensive process for me. A lot of like personal growth and also self awareness. You know, being yeah. taught a lot as well um, by these communities. It was an incredible but very hard experience. I can imagine, especially seeing as you were starting from scratch, you had you didn't have any experience before that. Yeah, it must have been a big learning curve for you. Yeah, no, exactly. And we had to kind of find ways to do the, you know, to sort of set it up in an administrative and bureaucratic way. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, but we we built it in two phases. We built it over 18 months and we launched the school in in 2008. And uh, my charity, my UK charity Expand is now mainly, you know, supporting the school. And we've since built other schools and nurseries. So yeah, it's important work for me to do my, you know, my, my, my charity stuff. Wow. That, yeah, that's really, really impressive already. You haven't even started to talk about your other companies. <laughs> I noticed you talked about one on cannabis, and I'm very curious about that. I'll have questions later. Yeah. <laughs> so this is basically the first of a series of interviews that I'll be doing on women in climate action. And I just wanted yeah. to know what sustainability means to you. Well, sustainability, um, you know, there's no Chichewa word for sustainability. Uh, Chichewa is the, you know, the national language of Malawi. Mm. And maybe there is now, but it's, yeah. it's generally quite a long sentence. And I think the fact that there is like one very succinct word in English, sustainability, yeah. that, you know, kind of means all the things that it means, um, you know, is important. And and this word has become, you know, so topical and, and so important over recent years that, Mm-hmm. I, for me, I find it really exciting that people, especially the younger generation, are waking up and actually, you know, saying, yes, this is this is an important um, topic. This is an Im- this is an important yep. action that we have to take. And sustainability for me means leaving something for my kids, leaving something for the future um, and, you know, feeding mm-hmm. and, and nurturing that. Um, and I really think that sort of we women as well, especially when we become mothers, we do you know, become more nurturing. And I'm really hoping that women have more of an opportunity to lead in sustainability, um, you know, and, Mm. and change for the future. I do think that we can bring a a wealth of, you know, knowledge and experience and like intuition to it. So sustainability for me is my happy word. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So how do you incorporate uh, sustainability into your businesses? So sustainability for me is not about like the CEO or the senior management. It's also about developing a team who, if everybody does their little bit, you know, we can basically achieve the whole, we can achieve the vision. And actually a CEO's responsibility largely is to drive that vision, to create that vision together with the team, to do team building, to bring in the right people and, you know, try and foster that kind of pride and opportunities within within the workforce and I think um, you you know you get that kind of thing in business at different stages obviously you have a startup stage where it's just super important that everybody you know is is trained and understands the vision then you've got you know when you're kind of established in your um, sort of just running now you know day-to-day operations where you've then got to really make sure that you sustain that energy and when things start to dip or people become complacent, you have to like remember and know how to bring them up again, you know, and it's a constant kind of flow. You're working with people, you're working with emotions and you just, it's really important, I think, for leadership and sustainability to keep the team alive, to keep the team, 
motivated by what you're doing. And that, that's been something, mm. the reason I bring that up right now is that, you know, for my cannabis company, that's really been what I've been doing over the last three months uh, in particular, mm-hmm. because we are kind of starting up, you know, we're starting now to go into commercial production and really trying to bring the team of all different levels. Some of my workers can't even speak English, but they're very capable technically, you know, and, and trying to bring everybody into this kind of vision of being top quality Malawian company you know we can do this and we can create a product that the international community wants so yeah I I try and ensure that no one person or two or three people have absolute you know control or power and I try and build that team spirit that hopefully will lead on to uh, the sustainability of the company well beyond the times maybe that I'm even running it Oh, I really love that answer. It's so perfect because it covers the long-term kind of thinking because I've found a lot of times we have Mm. conversations where there are visionaries and they have their ideas and they end up doing so many wonderful things. As human beings, we have a limited amount of time on earth. And a lot of times you find these visionaries when they get old or they die, the vision dies with them. And so what Mm. you're doing is ensuring that regardless of whether you are you know, even doing these businesses, whether you continue to uh, participate in them or go a different direction, that you've given people enough tools to sustain it beyond like needing you to be part of it. Absolutely. And I mean, through through training people and developing um, the concepts and developing the operating procedures, the company mm. also becomes stronger. Even, even if people decide to leave you and go on elsewhere, you know, I've always yeah. had the philosophy where I really wish people well, always write re- letters of recommendation where, where mm. they're, you know, where they're applicable and just, you know, not be too kind of obsessed with keeping people around you know like I mean because they, sometimes can, they grow and they want to fly out of the nest uh, right <laughs> yeah and it, but it's really important that I think you as a business person or a business owner that you really accept that you know it's almost like children flying yeah. the nest um, and just you know accept the fact that they've also helped your you know your company grow to a point and mm-hmm. as long as you are prudent enough to put your systems in place so that their successor can easily pick up then, mm-hmm. you know, then then that's obviously you've done a good job, you know, but you can't allow kind of someone to be running or a manager to be running a department. And then as soon as they leave, everything, you know, falls to, to <laughs> falls, falls <laughs> apart. I feel like that's even a whole other topic because I've heard of this concept of a founder's syndrome where, you know, when you start something, you have, you have <laughs> such a strong ownership of it that you don't yeah. want to train someone else to take over or succeed you over time. So I feel like that would be another interesting conversation to have, which maybe I'll have you over again on the podcast <laughs> at some point in the future. <laughs> no worries. I was looking through your website, the Kawandama Hills Plantation one, and yeah. it mentioned that you have 35% uh, female staff in all levels uh, of the workforce and that you were targeting getting to 50% in the next couple of years. What does it mean for you to include women in your workforce? Yeah, so um, so basically, I um, I have got three companies in Malawi. One is the cannabis company mm. Invigro Limited. The uh, sorry, my, yeah. and that was my second one. Sorry, and then my third one is Invigro Genetics Limited. So that Genscore Africa, that's ah. to do with uh, genetics, seed, and genetics mm-hmm. for cannabis. Um, but then my first okay. baby was Kawandama Hills, the the company that you just mentioned now. And yeah. that was after finishing the school. That's what I actually set up to do. And I lived in the middle of the forest very remotely for four or five years. And, you know, from the beginning, we had actually 
I would say maybe 60, 40 percent workforce and it fluctuated a little bit depending on the work involved but we've always we've always been a strong proponent of employing women here doing the types of things like the nursery and horticulture and aspects of forestry really requires people uh, and workers who can be quite careful with the seedlings or mm. with the seeds and definitely women their attendance is better uh, they seem yeah. more motivated to work for you know to work in order to earn money and obviously I think that is more that more likely to go to their families um because mothers are mothers mm. you know and they yep. obviously gen, <laughs> like generally tend, tend to put yeah generally tend to put family first you know and yeah. so we've always found employing women in all three of our companies um you know we, we found employing women a, a great benefit we're very supportive of it Mm. And I mean, without a doubt, it's not even something that I would consider not doing at all. Yeah. And we've actually got a young, quite a young workforce as well in Malawi. The average, I think the average national age is like 19 or 20. Our population is so young. And so you've got this, mm. you know, huge, huge number of, of youngsters who either have left university or have no education. And they're just some of them just idling and not really doing very much. And so mm. I feel very strongly also about the youth and just trying to empower young girls as well, not to not to rush to maybe get married and have babies too young, see if they can actually get themselves, you know, mm -hmm. independent first. Yes, I mean, we absolutely. Women are a very integral part of all of the companies. So in keeping with that, what role do women play, at least in your observation, in the Malawian economy, especially in your field? Uh, would you say you're in the agriculture field? Because I feel like you're both in business <laughs> since you also make products. <laughs> and how, how do you also, that's the second part to this question, is how you wish to see this evolve over time? Yeah, I mean, I would say, because like, I, I didn't even study forestry or agriculture. So I studied history and Spanish mm. at my university. Um, so wow. I think that I'm, I'm, yeah, but I, I'm a very passionate in, in research. So that's what my history degree really kind of helped um, streamline me with. And so I did lots of research. I love reading and, uh, you know, sort of understanding, you know, biology and agronomy and also bringing together the expertise to create the whole, you know, like linking people. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say, you know, I'm involved in forestry, in agriculture, in product development with, you know, all the different companies. And women are also being quite promoted um, at the moment in Malawi. You know, there's a lot of organizations and government really trying to promote girls and women in government and business which is great but also do they actually have like also real power with that it's fine to mm. put women in in positions where they can just do the legwork or do the donkey work or do the job but are we actually streamlining and grooming them to be in high positions of power yeah you know actually running companies that may have predominantly males under them is it a conducive environment is it encouraged Malawi is a very conservative society and so you know you can get very kind of even powerful women mm -hmm. that I'll meet in different forums and depending who they're speaking to they'll kind of be more powerful sometimes they'll be cupping their hands together and kind of you know bowing their head to like someone and then ah. to another to another person they may be sort of really outgoing and strong so 
there are, I think, certain cultural aspects in Malawi that may kind of, it doesn't necessarily mean that the woman in herself is less or more powerful, perhaps, but it's maybe yeah. kind of that cultural values require the woman to be more you know, respectful in inverted commas or sort of more. Um, yeah, I know what you um, mean. Yeah, that's just been an interesting observation from my side, being obviously originally British, you know, just sort of seeing that kind of just more of like the actual behavioral aspects of how a woman would behave to maybe a male senior in inverted commas. And overwhelmingly in most forums, the men, you know, even if I'm in a room full of really top level CEOs and stuff, the women will maybe not talk as much Mm. as the men. Okay. I'm, I'm sensing as well that that might be changing. So I think these types of behavioral attitudes within business, I think they are developing and they're going in the right direction. And I do see more women at events and at functions and at government functions and association events and stuff. So I, I'm definitely noticing that, mm-hmm. which is really exciting for me because I then get to speak to you, yeah, you loads have of your awesome women. As well, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so it's really great. Absolutely. And we'll go out for a drink afterwards and then we can talk a little bit more about the challenges we face and how to work together. I feel that yeah. women can be very collaborative as long as we create a safe space for each other. And I think that my attitude has always been one of very, you know, very collaborative and very kind of generally quite inclusive and I love chit-chatting and you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hugger I'm a hugger yep. and a kisser <laughs> so immediately <laughs> that breaks the ice perhaps I guess yeah you are seeing a change and it's slowly getting better how much do you want it to change like what do you envision an ideal Malawi economy with female representation or gender equality what do you envision that looking like I would love to see more involvement by by women, especially in upper management. I would love to see more women entrepreneurs, even though there are actually plenty. And many of them might not be highly, highly educated, but they have a knack for business and they're making mm. really, really good money. I would like to myself connect more with the women in Malawi, you know, of all levels and uh, continue just engaging, I think, and sharing experiences so that we can guide and advise each other. Um, obviously, there's the cultural aspects here. I've been here for 15 years now, so um, I observe a lot and mm-hmm. I've experienced a lot. But, you know, I am obviously not Malawian. And so I love talking with my Malawian friends and especially my Malawian girlfriends about, you know, mm-hmm. what are the challenges that they face? And I ask them advice as well about how to handle maybe certain situations with maybe a very patriarchal male (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is very common on the continent yeah definitely definitely and and I find that um I can ease maybe more easily slip through the net because generally men of all cultures will just kind of underestimate me um Mm. you know so even people back in the UK you know they kind of you just sort of slip through the net and they yeah. don't really realize what you're up to or what you're capable of. And then suddenly, <laughs> before you know it, you know, you've got a cannabis license and everyone's like, what? How did you do that? Um, do you feel like you use this to your advantage? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that. Abs- I mean, well, you know, it would be great to be more vocal and bombastic, but I think that's also maybe not fully my nature. I might be open quite an open person but at the same time I don't really like too much attention and so I'll just 
I'll just kind of just do my thing and keep a bit quiet, not say too much and, and yeah. try not to worry too much about what other people are doing and, and try and stay focused. And then generally, you know, if you work hard and just stay, stay morally strong, like I think everybody can do whatever they want. On, like honestly absolutely it's so easy to sort of be convinced to do this or that and you obviously encounter a lot of corruption as well in a place like Malawi and everywhere mm. actually there's corruption it's just how <laughs> it's just how yeah. how obvious it is it looks different um, in different places right absolutely absolutely but I think if you stay morally strong and true to your values up until now at least it's worked for me and so I just want to continue being a fair person across both divides. You know, I love men and I love women and I love working mm-hmm. with both of them. And I have very much actually equal friends, men and women friends, you know, who I can speak nice. to. I think that that balance, you know, that balance helps to connect. Yeah, absolutely. People. I think it's it helps to have different perspectives. And quite often you find that uh, maybe the male perspective is quite different from the female. And if you have both, then you kind of have an upper hand. So that leads us very smoothly into the next question, which um, <laughs> is also, yes, that the podcast is around female empowerment and feminism and feminism really in the sense of helping people understand what it really is versus the kind of the rep it's got out there. <laughs> but also like the recent, a couple of years ago, Uh, they started to do this campaign called He for She, which is basically Mm -hmm. men helping to empower women, helping to promote gender equality. So you mentioning that you work with both sides. How do you also ensure that the men, especially the leaders within your companies, are able to also contribute to empowering women? Yeah, I mean, it's not an it's not easy. (laughs) And Mm. it doesn't it's still it's still not easy. Um, But I think it's important. Do you think there's an openness among the men to have women? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there is. Um, So, for example, recently we did a a leadership and management training with all of the senior and the middle management. There were about 20 people um, all attended this training. And I actually made myself scarce because I didn't want I wanted people to be very open with each other as well Mm -hmm. as also about the leadership and just kind of feel free to you know talk and express themselves to the to the curator of the of the um of the event and i mean you know some really deep things came out you know i mean there and it was amazing when i took pictures of everybody in the room there was you know there were older men and younger men and older women and younger women and it was such an eclectic mix of 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 people um mm-hmm. and they were all you know essentially you know, pouring their hearts out a little bit to each other of the things that they find important, the values they have. And I mean, I think trainings like that um, to bring people together in a, in a company or even in real life, I mean, team building stuff, leadership trainings, you know, I, I'm a big fan of those. I've done many in my life and a lot of also my, I've done a lot of like my own spiritual development, uh, which is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always about recognizing where your limitations are and, and where you really your flaws and you know where where do you where do you need to work on and what what you know sometimes what you're never going to (laughs) be whether you try it or not Mm. you know and also accepting that and saying okay fine so maybe I'm not this but I'm you know these are my strengths how can I build on that and it was amazing to see that in my workplace you know Um, by the end of the training it was a two-day training quite intensive for them playing Mm. games and all kinds of things 
I, I felt that the team had really connected and they were from all walks of life. So, yeah, I, I think that it's important just to be a humanist, you know, just to be pro-human and how mm. can we promote all of these humans who want to, you know, who want to, who want to build and grow themselves. And it's not easy to manage some of the energies within a company, um, especially there might be kind of, you know, sexual advances or sexual assault, harassment uh. and yeah, all these types of nasty things. Um, but as long as they're picked up quickly and obviously the most important thing for me is that my female staff or male staff, you know, that they can actually, I've created an environment that they can be open and report something like that rather mm -hmm. than keeping it bottled up and not feeling safe. So that's my philosophy around how to grow my business in that kind of loving and nurturing way. And I've got some yeah. women who are high up in the chain and some men who are high up in the chain. And it's not always roses, but as long as at the end mm -hmm. of the experience, you can still look at each other as humans and say, okay, I'm sorry that I overreacted or I shouted at you or you know yeah you did a good job my apologies for being cranky <laughs> you yeah. know but then again uh, I mean isn't that normal in any work environment like there'll be uh, disagreements or conflicts and it's just about how you sort them and how you end up yeah learning and growing from those experiences conflict resolution absolutely it's a exactly. major major <laughs> major topic in in almost everything even your, our family lives um But I think the sooner yeah. the sooner that people can kind of do that kind of introspection work, um, whether it happens in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, whenever, you know, I think if, if people are self-aware, then you can also yeah. be aware of what others need. You know, women definitely, they don't have an easy time of it here in Malawi. Mm. And I really, I really respect them hugely, um, especially like when you see the women going carrying all the firewood on their heads and then a bucket of water on each arm and they're hmm. doing their chores, you know, at the end of the day. You're like, wow, these, <laughs> these women are incredible. I mean, you could never, um, right? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Right? <laughs> I'll have no water. All the water, the water will be empty by the time I get there. Exactly. Sloshing, sloshing I, around. I completely relate. Yeah, these women are really, really strong and they need to be appreciated a lot more. And hopefully they don't even have to go through that over yeah. time. When you're doing things like the work you're doing and the employment you're creating, then you're yeah. enabling them to have an easier time, you know, yeah. with at well, least actually, the basics. Yeah, and, and the nice thing, my, my charity Expand, we're actually supporting two um, girls through university. So one is doing nursing and oh. the other is doing maternity studies. Yeah, so nice. they actually, yeah, they came up from the school when they were young. So now they uh -huh. are at university. So we're supporting them with uh, their bursary. Uh, oh, batteries. that's really nice. Yeah. So that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask, which is kind of how you mentor or support young women to you know, go into leadership or to pursue their ambitions? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I'm just super proud of Memory and Nenengeza. Like they, they're just, they're rocking it. And yeah. they, yeah, especially like they're, they're getting really good results and I'm, I'm super hopeful for them. And even at, uh, at Invergrow, especially, you know, we've got a, a two quite young managers. Wow. Uh, female, yeah, women managers. And, How they're young? only in their late 20s 
so they are they're young and they're, ah. they're learning so much especially even like managing some of their other male counterparts in their in their teams but um they they're doing mm-hmm. really really well so yeah i just you know i think it's just about kind of being there to support and you know kind of give give advice and and think of ways on a day by day basis that you know to, you know sort of tools that they can use to Uh, to communicate effectively with the team. That's it for today's conversation. Join us next week where Tanya speaks more about her cannabis business, Invergrow, and who inspires her work. Until next week, I've been your host, Sheila Bett, and you've been listening to the Square Pegs podcast.